Um, but go ahead and open up to First Chronicles 19. Get your notebook and your pens or pencils ready. <clears throat> Here's where we're going with this whole chapter, okay? You choose, listen to me now, you choose who you are. You choose. No one chooses who you are. It's your job. God gave you a life. You were born. He gave you a life. And He also gave you a brain. And He gave you a mind to choose. And you get to choose who you are. And we're going to see that from this passage and we're going to see some options and we're going to see how God would lead us in making that decision of who you are. You choose who you are. So hit it. Next slide. We're going to look at the characters of this story. Um, first of all, we've got David. That was the coolest picture um, that I found. So check that out. Who can tell me what scene that is? Yeah, that's David. As a young man, ripping the head off of <laughs> Goliath. All right, very good. Okay, next we've got Nahash. <clears throat> now, King Nahash is a character who is dead in this story. So he's a king. Uh, that's not him, but I found a picture of a king and I used it. Yeah. You know, you. I, I was looking for free pictures. I didn't want to steal pictures offline. So I'm just like, king. Like, very generic, and I just find him. Okay, so King Nahash, he's not a big player in the story, um, necessarily. Then you've got Hanan, which is Nahash's son, okay? So, he's little, he's a, he's a small guy, only because I wanted to communicate that that's his son. I don't think he was this small when he was the king, but that guy is going to be a big deal. So, there's King David, and then there's King um, Hanan. And then you've got David's messengers. Now... What I want you to observe is not this, but I want you to look at his facial hair. Do you see that? What's he got going on there? Half of a beard. Okay, that won't make sense when the story unfolds, but just admire the strangeness. This guy represents David's messengers. Then we've got um, Joab, but also princes of the children of Ammon. Okay, so this guy right here, <clears throat> he represents... Um, the princes of the children of Ammon. He's whispering into this king's ear. He's talking to him. That'll make sense once the story unfolds. But again, just remember, he's a guy with a headband talking to the king. Okay. Next, we've got uh, the children of Ammon. Now, <clears throat> the children of Ammon, um, they worshipped a god named Milcom. No, not Moloch, but it's the same name, but it was translated Milcom. I'm pretty sure. You know, I, I read these words when I'm studying, and I don't say them out loud. And then I'm like, wait. So, uh, this is, this is uh, Milcom. Uh, but these are the children of Ammon. What you need to know about them is, is they, they refused God. They said, no, God, we don't like you. We like... We like Milcom, and um, we're going we're gonna to worship him, okay? So you've got the children of Ammon. Then you've got uh, Joab, okay? So this is a valiant... He, that's Joab. We'll, we'll leave it with that. That's Joab. I don't know that Joab would be... Like, he looks as buff as I am. Yeah. Dude, Nate, come on, man. Whoa. Whoa, dude. Yeah, he doesn't look quite as, as valiant and, and, yeah. But Joab is a big player here. Next one, we've got Abishai. Um, 
That's probably what he looks like. That's probably pretty accurate. And then you've got Hadarezer. He had a razor. Now, had a razor and his people. So these are, this is like a king, the king of, of, of Syria. He's a king of Syria. Um, and so he's going to lead the Syrians in battle. And he's a bad guy. And so I figured LeBron James, bad guy, right? And he is, yes, good student. Okay, so then you've got... Um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but Shofach. Now, I'm glad I pronounced this one out loud because it wouldn't have sounded appropriate if I would have said it the way I thought it was pronounced. Shofach? Eh, we'll just... Yeah, so Shofach. And uh, this is just a scary looking dude. Shofach is like a captain in the army. And so he's a, a warrior dude that we'll see here. Okay, so... I'm going to give you the play-by-play of the story, and then you're going to read it yourself. But I want to just kind of give you the summary so that when you do read it, you know what's happening. Okay, so first of all, in verse 1, what we see is Nahash, the one who's less important, the king of the children of Ammon, well, he dies, okay? Now, David uh, liked him, so in verse 2, David sends messengers to comfort Hanan, who is Nahash's son, and this new king of the children of Ammon. So David is going to comfort uh, Hanan. Now, Hanan, as you can see in this uh, gif, is slightly uncomfortable with this uh, because verses in verse 3, rather, the princes of the children of Ammon cause Hanan to doubt David's intentions. So David sends messengers to Hanan, and then the, child, the princes of the children of Ammon are like, hey, whoa, 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 Hanan, David sent messengers. You really think he's coming to comfort you? I think he's coming to spy out the land so that he can, he can destroy you. So he's doubting. Uh, Hanan is like, whoa, I don't know if I trust this David guy that my dad liked. So verse 4, Hanan shaves the messenger's beards. And in 2 Samuel chapter 10, we see that he shaves half of their beards. Um, and then cuts their clothes, exposing their buttockses. Um, what? So the messengers roll up, and and Hanan has his boys shave shave their face, which is a shameful thing, and then cuts their clothes so that their buttockses are exposed. It's kind of weird. Like if you if you like if you went to a funeral to comfort your friend, and someone was like, "Come here," and they whipped out a razor and they like started shaving you, you'd be like, "This is really weird. What's happening right now?" And then if they like whipped out a machete and they were like, give me your pants and they just cut it off, you'd be kind of confused, right? It would be, certainly would be shameful. So that's kind of what they're experiencing here early in, in chapter 19. And then in verse 5, what we will see is that David hears about his messengers that he sent being shamed. And so he goes to comfort them. Then in verses 6 and 7, the children of Ammon... Because they realize, oh no, David found out what we did to his messengers, and we are, he uses this cool word, odious. We are odious to David. We're in big trouble. So they hire help to fight against David rather than repent. So the children of Ammon, they're like, oh no, we mess up. Let's go hire some people to fight with us. 
So verse 8, David sends Joab and the mighty men to take care of it. Joab's going to go fight some battles. And in verse 10 and 11, we see that he divides the battle between his group. So he's going to take some guys. And then Abishai's group, Abishai is going to take some guys. So Joab is going to fight the Syrians. Abishai is going to fight the children of Ammon. Um, And then in verse 12 and 13, we'll see Joab and Abishai make a pact with one another. Really cool couple verses of Joab and Abishai talking to one another about this battle. Um, And then verse 14, you'll see the Syrians flee before Joab. And then 15, the children of Ammon flee before Abishai. Now, I thought this was cool. This is like, this is one of the cool guys we're talking about riding into battle. And then this is like, okay, so that guy, we'll say he's Joab. And then this is like Abishai. Boom! Boom! It never gets old, right? Uh, Okay, and then in verse 16, there's only 19 verses, but in verse 16, the Syrians realize they're in bad shape. So their second opportunity, well, a second opportunity to repent for, you know, the bad guys in this story. Uh, But instead of, you know, retreating and and surrendering, they send for more warriors. They're like, okay, let's, let's... fight with some more guys. And then verse 17, David sends more of his guys to fight against them. Verse 18, the Syrians, then again, they flee before Israel. They're, they're losing. And then verse 19, a couple things happen. Number one, the Syrians surrender to David and become his servants. And they agree to not help the children of Ammon anymore. Okay, so your character is David goes to comfort, sends his messengers to comfort Hanan. Hanan and the princes of the children of Ammon and the children of Ammon, these bad guys, they say, uh, we don't like you, David. We're going to shave your messengers and shame them. And then they're like, oh, no, we mess up. So we're going to hire the Syrians. So now we've got more bad guys to fight against you. And David sends Joab and Abishai to fight against them. They fight. Israel's just constantly winning. So in the end, Syria, the Syrians, the guys who are helping the bad guys, they're like, we screwed up. David, we're your servants. Right? We give up. Does that make sense? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Instead of just jumping right in, I would like you to read this passage out loud. So you get a full understanding. That way, when I blast through these key points, you're not like totally lost. So I want you to pick a partner, pick someone, a couple people, whatever. And one of you or both of you, read the passage out loud. Uh, but being considerate of the people around you, if you read really loud and obnoxious, we're not going to be able to hear uh, the passage. So you guys read it out loud. Take just a couple minutes, and then we'll jump right back in with our key points. 19. <laughs> Jump right into reading. You just read through it. You don't have to do anything with it. Just read it. Now it came to pass after this that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, and his son reigned in his stead. David said, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. So the servants of David came into the land of the children of Ammon to Hanan to comfort him. The princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanan, 
thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Are not his servants come unto thee for to search, to overthrow, to spy out the land? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved them, and cut off their garments in the midst, hard by their buttocks, and sent them away. Then there went certain, and told David how the men were served, and he sent to meet them. The men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho, and tarry your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, Hanan and the children of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire them chariots and horsemen out of Mesopotamia and out of Syria, Micah, and out of Zobah. So they hired thirty and two thousand chariots, and the king of Makkah and his people came and pitched before Mediba. And the children of Ammon gathered themselves together from their cities and came to battle. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array before the gate of the city. And the kings that were come were by themselves in the field. And when Joab saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, he chose out of all the choice of Israel and put them in array against the servants. And the rest of the people he delivered under the hand of Abishai, his brother. And they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But the children of Ammon be strong for thee, then I will help thee. Be of good courage, and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God. And let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. So Joab and the people that were with him drew nigh before the Syrians into the battle, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, they likewise fled before Abishai his brother and entered into the city. Then Joab came to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they were put to the worst before Israel, they sent messengers into forth the Syrians that were beyond the river. And Shofetch, the captain of the host of Hadarazar, went before them. And it was told David, and he gathered all Israel and passed over Jordan and came upon them and set the battle in array against them. So when David had put the battle in array against the Syrians, they fought with him. But the Syrians fled before Israel, and David slew the Syrians, 7,000 men which fought in chariots, and 40,000 footmen, and killed Shophach the captain of the host. When the servants of Hadarezer saw that they were put to the works before Israel, they made peace with David and became his servants. Neither would the Syrians help the children of Ammon anymore. Yeah. 
get going here if you didn't finish it no sweat maybe you read it silently on your own but here's what we're going to do we're going to take a look at the four key uh, lessons or key points that we're going to take away from this passage i want to i want you to look at them uh, these are going to come up we're going to we're going to take a look at them and then we're going to we're going to drill down a little bit on each one okay so for first of all the first key lesson that we'll learn from this chapter is that you must in choosing who you are Remember, where we're going with this is you choose who you are. Okay, well, first of all, choose to listen to wise biblical counsel, not popular demand. Choose to listen to wise biblical counsel, not popular demand. Number two, choose to repent rather than reap more corruption. Repent rather than reap more corruption. Number three, we're going to see that we... Uh, would be wise to choose accountability with men of God and women of God. That is a wise choice for us. And number four, choose to not tie yourself to foolish people. So if you don't get these written down, I'm going to keep moving here. They're going to pop back up. Okay, we're going we're gonna to be looking at them closer. And so don't worry if you didn't get all those written down. Let's take a look at key lesson number one. So choose to listen to wise biblical counsel, not popular demand. In other words, another way of saying this is have a mind of your own to choose what's right. Have a mind of your own to choose what's right. So First Chronicles 19, verse 3 through 4. This is where we're pulling this lesson. It says this, But the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanan, Okay, so David goes to comfort Hanan. He, because he cares about Hanan's dad dying. So he cares about Hanan. David cares about him, legitimately. But the princes, these other leaders, they say to Ammon, they say, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? So they're causing him to doubt. They're asking questions. They cause him to doubt. Thinkest thou that David uh, doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Are not his servants come unto thee for to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land? Aren't they actually coming here to do damage? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments in the midst hard by their buttocks and sent them away. So here's what we pull. Your, your mind is actually a quite fascinating thing. So athletes, here's an example. Athletes are told to visualize their performance, okay? So, like, I can be anyone in here in one-on-one. I can beat you. You want this? Who wants this? You know why? Well, Adam, okay. 
because I can visualize beating you. I can visualize, I can see it happening. Now, I can't probably actually beat everyone in one-on-one, but I know this, that if I would, if, if I, just like other athletes, would just sit before a performance and I'm thinking through what I'm going to do and I'm imagining this thing happening, it's not like I have some superpowers, but through playing through it and going before it and, and visualizing what I'm going to do, I'm going to be able to do it even better. Your mind has that ability. It's proven and shown in sports all over the world. Okay, but check this out. Compare that ability in an athlete to to your mind as a believer. We, We have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. So what that means is you have a much more powerful mind to do what we need to do. We have, here's what it really means, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us and we have the Word of God. So we have the mind of God. What, what, what does that mean? Well, we can say no to sin and foolishness. You can say no when sin is presented to you. Now some of you didn't know that. I didn't know that. When I, when I first got saved... I was like, sweet, all my sin is forgiven, so now I just got to try really hard to not keep doing it. Well, actually, I don't have to sin anymore. And I remember it was Pastor Chris Best who told me, he was like, I don't know when he said this, it was during some preaching or some conversation, he said, you don't have to sin once you're saved. You can choose to not. But the lost world, if you're lost, you can't help it. Try me. Like, prove me wrong. You can't help it. You will sin. You can't help it. You're going to, because you're tied to your sin. You're still in bondage to your sin, and you're going to continue in your sin until you get saved, and until the Spirit of God, until, until what God has done separates you from that sin. If you have the mind of Christ, if you have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God, you can say no to sin. And you can also say yes to the awesome, thing, uh, the awesome things that God wants to show you in His Word and in life. If you haven't experienced saying yes to God, and experience walking with God. Dude, it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. And He gives us this ability by His Spirit to have really awesome fellowship with Him and to know His thoughts and to know His heart. Does that make sense? It's kind of an abstract idea. You have the Spirit of God inside of you, which gives you, you have the mind of Christ. It's kind of wild, but... Really, in short, it just means you get to choose. That's what I'm getting at. You get to choose. If you're lost, you don't get to choose. You're going to continue to sin. You're going to continue to make bad decisions. You're going to go down a path in life that's just unfortunate. But if you're saved, man, that's a good time. So, some of us, we haven't. We haven't chosen. Maybe you haven't chosen Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you haven't said, you know what? I need Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And I need Jesus to rule and run my life. I need Him to call all the shots. Because up to this point, all of the decisions that I've made, or at least a lot of them, or at least the ones I'm thinking about right now, have led me to disappointment, to depression, to apathy, to not goodness. Right? 
That's the testimony of some of you. Some of you realized you came to the end of yourself and you said, I need Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose Him. And then, man, now you can choose abundant life. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. And today is the day you can choose who you are by choosing that Christ is your Lord and Savior and that you're His. Key lesson number two. in choosing who you are, you need to choose to repent rather than reap more corruption. That's what we need to choose. And we see that from 1 Chronicles 19, 5 through 7. It says this. So these guys, right, before I tell you what it says, these guys, they shave and they shame David's messengers. What would the appropriate response be after they did that and found out that David was upset about it? You could say, sorry. Right? You they could have said, I, 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 man, this was a terrible thing I did. I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry I did that because I really didn't, I, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to offend you, David. I don't want to sin against you. I'm sorry. What did they do? Well, not that. It says, then there went certain and told David how the men were served. And he sent to meet them for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. So David comforts them. And when the children of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, when they knew that they stunk to David, they really messed up. Hanan and the children of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver. So I read this the first time. I'm like, oh, they're going to go. They're going to pay him. They're going to give some money to David and like try to make up for it. They send a thousand talents of silver to hire them chariots and horsemen out of Mesopotamia and out of Syria, uh, Syria Maka and out of Zoba. So they hired 30 and 2,000 chariots, chariots and the king of uh, Maka and his people who came and pitched before Mediba and the children of Ammon gathered themselves together from their cities and came to battle. So instead of, of trying to make it right with David, they said, well, I guess we're all in. Let's just go to war. So they hire other, like another country, another group, another army to come fight with them. And they get themselves ready and they set themselves up and they're ready to fight David. Right? It's kind of like, wait, really? Like that's, that's the decision you make? It's like you steal money from mom and you know you're found out. <clears throat> you're like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta not make this right with mom. I gotta... I better steal some more so that I can buy, like, I don't know, something really awesome. I only got 50 bucks. I better go take a couple hundred so I can get a TV from Walmart and really make this a good deal. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't, like, what do you, what? That doesn't make any sense. Here's some other examples. Who knows what the word recidivism means? I know Dan does. Recidivism Kylie cheated. She knows. Philip, do you know what recidivism is? You'd be familiar. Yeah, you do. Recidivism. Recidivism is um, when someone gets arrested. They're put in prison. Put in jail. Put in prison. Whatever. And then they get out. They're released. Woo! And then they get re-arrested. Dum, dum, dum. How many people do you think go to jail or prison and then they're released and then they get rearrested? You would think no one does, right? You would think no. You, you, would, you would surely think, okay, you get caught by the police. You did this bad thing. You went to jail. You served your time. Now you're not going to do that again, right? Because you have a brain, right? No. 80%. 80% of people in Missouri 
are released from prison, and then they get arrested within nine years of their release. And Missouri has the eighth highest incarceration rate. Eighth highest. You know what's you know what's really astounding to me? Do you know how many like significant cities we have in Missouri? Two. There's nothing in Missouri except for Kansas City and St. Louis. There's like Nevada. When you name your cities after other states, you know you don't have much in that state, right? And I'm poking fun at us, but okay, so we have the eighth highest incarceration rate in America. That means we have a lot of people go to prison in Missouri. And then a lot of those people, like the majority of those people who once they're released from prison, they then get rearrested because they didn't choose to repent. They chose to jump right back into that lifestyle, to just keep going harder, to see if they can get away with it. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells you? That tells us that people, especially Missourians like you and me, refuse to repent. We refuse to just do what's right. We just have to keep making things worse for ourselves like the children of Ammon did. Instead, here's what you can choose. Let's let our response to when we sin against God, when we walk contrary to His Word, let's let our response be Psalm 51 verses 1 through 4. If you would, flip there with me. Psalm 51. This is um, a psalm written by David after he did what? Committed adultery with who? Bathsheba. Bathsheba, right? Okay, so this is what he said after he committed adultery. He had made it worse for himself. Not only did he sleep with her, but then to make things worse, he could have just, man, he could have gotten right, right? With Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. He could have got right. Instead, what did he do? He's like, oh no, I'm really stuck here. I better make this worse for myself. So he kills a guy, a good soldier. Made it worse for himself. Okay, but then he finally comes to the end of himself. And here in Psalm 51, we see what a contrite response looks like. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression is, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You can see he's done. God, you got to clean me. I messed it up. Please forgive me. Make this right for me. That's the response we choose. That's the response we choose. So, let's let that be our attitude. In choosing who we are, we're going to choose to repent when we mess up and not just continue to reap more corruption. Key lesson number three, choose accountability with men and women of God. This one is exciting for me because these guys, man, Joab and Abishai, that's tight, man. I want to be like them in this passage, right? In 1 Chronicles 19, verse 10 through 13, it says this, Now when... When Joab saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, Joab knows that these guys are coming in. He chose out of all the choice of Israel and put them array against the Syrians. He's like, I need need some, some big ballers. I need some guys who can fight. And the rest of the people, he's got his little battalion, and the rest of the people he delivered unto the hand of Abishai, his brother. 
and they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. So he gives the rest of the army to Abishai so that Abishai and the other part of the army can fight against the children of Ammon. So he's going to take the Syrians. Abishai's got the, the, the Ammonites, right? So he's got Abishai and he's got his mighty men with him. And he said, this is what he says to Abishai, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will help thee. He's like, I got your back, man. When things get hard, I got your back. When spiritual war, when temptation gets too much at school, I got your back. I got you. I'll pray for you. I'll come pick you up. I'll I'll do whatever. And you do the same for me, is what he says. And then he says, be of good courage. He's like, man, we got this. Let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God and let the Lord do that which is good in His sight. The battle is surrendered to the Lord. He's like, man, my life is the Lord's. Your life is the Lord's. Let's just go after this thing. Let's go see people saved. Let's start this school year trusting God to see people saved. You got my back. I got your back. Let's just see what God does. That's the attitude. It's like this. I've tied myself to men of God in this room. And the men, the counselors in this, in this class, are my brothers in arms, are the guys that have my back and I have theirs. For example, Philip leads the way a couple weeks ago of helping the Merits renovate their home. So our Bible study men, Philip's like, guys, let's go to the Merits. They're, they're getting sent. They're trying to sell their house. They're trying to get up out of here. Let's go and help them fix up their house. He's got their back. Philip also helps me change the brakes on my car. Now, I, I have no idea how to change the brakes on my car. If it were up to me, I, I, I would just drive them until like, they would give out and I would die. Right? <laughs> but Philip said, dude, you buy the brakes, I'll help you put them on. He's got my back. He's looking out for me, even in the practical things. He's got my back. Dan... Helped load and unload the trailer full of games and supplies at All Church Retreat. Do you know how much stuff we have to haul around so you guys can play games? Do you know how much stuff it is? It's stupid how much stuff we have. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's a good time, right? It's well worth it. But Dan literally had to clear out his construction trailer and fill it full of stuff and his mopeds. Full of stuff. And we had to load and unload and set up and unset up and tear down and move around and jump up and down and set up. We had to do all this stuff and and check this out. I think Dan volunteered to do everything. I don't think I asked him to do anything, ever. He's got my back. He jumped right into the work. He knew it had to be done. He said, I got your back, Jeff. Let's do this. It's a good brother. He also helps to host events at his house when we've run out of space in our home. So Bible studies have been hosted there. Different parties have been hosted there. He's like, I got this. Let's do this. Me and Brenda got it. Nate helps carry the load for Tuesday night hangout and other ministry obligations. I know that if something needs to be done in ministry, I can ask Nate. And Nate jumps in. Nate told me early on in, in when I was in the high school class, he said, he said, hey, whatever I can do to help your load, tell me. Let me do it. You know how much that means to me? It means a lot means a lot that he just said, I'll take it. And I've given probably too much stuff to him. I've probably been like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I'll just send it all to Nate, right? And he's taking it on. He's got my back. 
Nate also helps me to stay out of my comfort zone. He encourages me to go mountain biking. He encourages me to watch chick flicks. He encourages me to not cheer for LeBron. This is a serious thing. I'm tempted to cheer for LeBron. And Nate says, no, dude, you don't do that. Big deal, okay? But seriously, he keeps me out of my comfort zone. He keeps me, you know, not getting into a rut. So these men, Abishai and Joab, well, they decided just like we've decided that, man, we're going to follow Jesus together and hold one another accountable in that walk, but we'll also battle with and for one another. Do you have that same companionship with believers? Do you have that? And you may not. You may be thinking, no. And I'm not going to fault you necessarily. I'm not saying, well, what the heck is wrong with you? But I'll tell you this, you need that. Because we all need that. Now, it may not even necessarily happen with people in this class. This is a very eclectic group. We're from all over the city. There's like 30 of us and like there's like 30 schools represented here. I mean, there's a lot of people and we're in a, little, a lot of different parts of town. But there's also a lot of believers at your schools, a lot of believers that you guys know. Man, tie yourself with them. Jump into the work with them. But jump into the work with one another. Ideally, it happens here. We just want to follow Christ with His church at our side, just like Joab and Abishai, like Jonathan and his armor bearer, like Caleb and Joshua, like Paul and Barnabas. You've got all these cool examples of men who fought together. Last key lesson, and then we're out of here. Choose to not tie yourself to foolish people. Choose to not tie yourself to foolish people. I tell you what, there have been a lot, it seems like, a lot of people in this ministry, who have, had to be, who have had to be benched, who have had to be, be sat down. Meaning, they sit with their parents at church. And it's not because we don't want them here. I want everyone who I've ever had to say, you've got to go with your parents. I've wanted them to be in here with us. But what happens is, People, they get crazy, they get stupid, they make bad decisions, and then all of a sudden they're pulling other people into bad decisions, and bad things happen. And there are consequences to bad choices. For example, if you, um, I don't know, if you were friends with someone who wanted to murder someone, would you be like, you know what, it's probably a bad idea, but let's give it a shot. Would you do that? Of course not. If someone murdered someone, do you think I should just let them come hang out with us? Hey, you, you're actively trying to murder people? You know what? Come on in, brother. Come on. I've got lots of young, young children in here who are, who are susceptible to your influence and who will, who will follow you right into your murderous path of life. And I think that's just a great idea. Of course not. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. Okay. But at the same time, we want them to be with us. We want them to be saved. We want them to be walking with us. But if they don't walk with us, if your friends at school, if your friends in here, if your friends in your life don't want to follow the Lord, and if they want to take you away from the Lord, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to just go with them? Some of you, yes, you will just go with them. They say, hey, let's do this. And you're like, okay, how about we do this too? Let me tell you, that's not a good idea. It always comes with a consequence. Let's check out the consequence that these guys, these Syrians and the children of Ammon had. 
Okay, so verses 18 and 19. But the Syrians fled before Israel, so they're fighting with Israel, and then they realize they're losing, so they flee before him. And David slew of the Syrians. This is what the cost of, of their decision to join in with the children of Ammon was. They were like, you know what, let's do this, yeah. Here's what they did. David slew of the Syrians 7,000 men which fought in chariots, and 40,000 footmen, and killed Shofach, the captain of the host. And when the servants of Hadarezer saw that they were put to the worst before Israel, they made peace with David and became his servants. Neither would the Syrians help the children of Ammon anymore. So how many Syrian soldiers were killed as a result of agreeing to help the children of Ammon? 47,000. Yes. 47,000 people were, were dead because they decided they were going to help this person. They were going to follow these guys who were going against the Lord. So yeah, we'll, we'll tie ourselves with you. There are 488,000 people living in Kansas City, Missouri. That's one-tenth of the population of our city was wiped out because of a decision to just go to battle with, with Israel. There's 191,000 people living in Overland Park, Kansas. That's one-fourth of Overland Park's population wiped out because of one decision. There are 153,000 people living in Kansas City, Kansas. That's one-third of KC, KCK. In Olathe, 137,000. That is just over a third. In Lee's Summit, Missouri, there's 97,000 people. That is one half of Lee's Summit was brutally killed because they decided to walk with the world. Shawnee, Kansas, 65,000. That's three-fourths of those people. In Raytown, Missouri, home of the free land of the brave. Raytown, Missouri, there are 29,000 that's one and a half times the population of Raytown was wiped out. In Gardner, Kansas, 22,000. Again, about one and a half. And there's 4,500 people living in North Kansas City, Missouri. Ten times the population wiped out. Here's the, here's the point. There are consequences. You see this from Scripture. There are consequences for your decisions. You choose who you're going to be today. And choose to not tie yourself with foolish people. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, just clear instructions on how to choose who we're going to be. Uh, Lord, we've, we've taken a lot of time. Uh, but God, your word uh, is good. It's rich. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to make those decisions and help us to follow through with following you. And choosing who we're going to be and, and choosing to be uh, your children who love you and and obey you and obey your word. God, help us. Have your way with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.